reading friends. This is Amy Allen Clark, your book gang host for today's episode, Reading Rituals and Comforting Reads. For those of you that are new to my space, welcome. You can find me online at momadvice.com or join my free Facebook community, Mom Advice Book Club. I'd like to begin by thanking our Patreon community for their generous support to help keep this podcast ad-free. When I checked today, we had just cleared our first 100 subscribers, and I'm so grateful. A booking membership is just $5 a month and gives you access to all the bonus material after each episode and what I'm reading in real time. To top it off, our members receive a monthly bookish digital download, a themed Spotify playlist, and a printable newsletter with the latest book news and reviews. I consider the back to school season very similar to January, where I renew commitments and reestablish routine in our home. So today, I'm inviting you to peek into my reading rituals and how I set the reading mood at the beginning and end of my day. With a commitment to read 100 books each year, these practices help me prioritize my reading time and have taught me to treat this as a sacred ritual for keeping my reading goals. In the thick of the pandemic season, I did a virtual book club with friends to discuss a book that helped me rethink established habits as life-giving rituals called The Power of Ritual, Turning Everyday Activities into Soulful Practices by Casper Turkile. This book changed my boring to-do list into acts of soulful self-love that made me my routines in unexpected ways, especially my reading life. For those unfamiliar with this author as I was, He is a Harvard Divinity School fellow and co-host of the popular Harry Potter and the Sacred Text podcast. This nonfiction book explores how we can nourish our souls by transforming standard everyday practices like yoga, reading, or walking the dog into sacred rituals. While many think of religious books as sacred texts, This author challenged me to consider other books as sacred and treat diving deep into my favorite books as an interactive experience that I had not considered before. In one passage, he states, we can treat a book as sacred, not because we're going to believe the storylines within it somehow explain the mysteries of the universe, but because they help us be kinder and more compassionate. They help us be curious and empathetic. And they offer us a mirror in which we get to reflect on the motivations that live behind actions we take every day. This is the power of reading books as a sacred practice. They can help us know who we are and decide who we might want to become. What determines if a text is sacred though? According to his Harvard Divinity School professor, a text is sacred when a community says that text is holy. It's that simple. There's so many ways we can treat books as sacred, and one of the most creative that I've stumbled upon has been what two songwriters did with the Bridgerton television series. While one could consider it to be just a romance series in book format and in TV format, two young songwriters asked on TikTok, okay, but what if Bridgerton was a musical? So Abigail Barlow and Emily Bear, I follow them both religiously, they fell in love with Bridgerton and they wrote a musical around the stories. By treating this series as sacred, they could write an entire musical that I really do hope to see one day on stage. Now that's a pretty creative example of how reading or watching a TV series could be turned into a sacred practice. Want to become a writer? You'll love hearing how one author transformed an everyday routine into a sacred practice. Young adult author 
Jeff Zentner, who I'll be talking about more later, shared in an interview that he wrote one of my all-time favorite books, The Serpent King, simply on his morning commute. He shared that this was a process born of simple necessity. He had almost two hours of bus commute each day, a day job, and a family, so he had to squeeze the writing in wherever he could. At the time, he wrote 500 words on his iPhone 5S on the way into the office, 500 words at lunch, and then 500 words on the way home. He also confirmed that yes, his right thumb would get very tired after all the writing. His end of day routine was to put his son to bed and then write an additional thousand words or two on his laptop. The way he transformed these ordinary routines into a book reminded me that I too might have pockets of time that could be turned into a bestseller someday. Going back to the idea of treating our books as a sacred text, I'd love to encourage you to designate one of your favorite books to that status this year. Then read a chapter and journal these four recommended questions from the power of ritual to guide a mindful book practice. One, what's literally happening in the narrative? Where are we in the story? Two, what allegorical images, stories, songs, or metaphors show up for you? Three, what experiences have you had in your own life that come to mind? Four, what action are you being called to take? You have now elevated reading a chapter of a book into an engaging journal experience that allows you to savor it in a brand new way. To encourage you to give this a try, our digital download this month will be these four questions based on the power of ritual, turning everyday activities into soulful practices by Casper Turkile. I encourage you to get his book to learn how other routines in life can be turned into appreciated, comforting rituals that make your life better. His book is one that I do plan to read annually as a reminder that the ordinary can be quite extraordinary. Not only do I plan to try this journal experience in my life, but I'd love to share with you some of my personal reading rituals that I found comforting for starting and ending my day. The first step for me is always about blocking out an amount of time to designate for reading. Now, I use a habit tracker app called Fabulous, and I know it sounds horribly cheesy, but just bear with me. It helps me track and set intentions for my reading time. This science-based app allows you to set up your own personal challenge or join public challenges with others to establish better sleep habits, reduce mind-numbing habits, or develop exercise routines. I've used it to help me reduce screen time. I've added important health routines into my daily habits, like drinking water, taking vitamins, and I've created morning and evening routines that add reading as an element. So if you're familiar with the book, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, you know that there's a big emphasis on this habit loop to incorporate routines into our lives. He describes this as a three-step loop that our brain requires for processing. First, there's a cue. It's a trigger that tells your brain to go into automatic mode and which habit to use. Then there's the routine, which can be physical or mental or emotional. Finally, there's a reward that helps your brain figure out if this particular loop is worth remembering for the future. That's the habit loop. Fabulous does that for me for my rewarding. It sends me a cue, read for one hour, I read, and then when I finish the book, I check it on the Fabulous app and it makes a beautiful rewarding sound that reinforces what I've done. It also adds supplemental materials that utilize behavioral science-based information to help me understand why I'm behaving the way I do and how to follow through on good intentions. Did I mention that I am an Enneagram One? 
I love to be praised. The best way to keep my focus during reading time is to add an additional sense into that reading experience for both my morning and my evening routines. That means adding something like a comforting scent, a special drink, a cozy blanket, and something in my earbuds to keep my mind focused. My mornings include reading next to my happy light. I'll link to it because I really do think they're very helpful in the winter and fall seasons. Hot coffee, a warm blanket, diffusing bright orange essential oils, and no, I don't sell them, but I'll link to something that I like, and listening to a calming playlist. I recommend the words are only in my books, which I designed for our Patreon community. I've listened to it so many times that it's now become my favorite way to start my day. I'll admit my anxiety tends to ramp up in the evening, so I have to work hard to create the most calming routines with my books. I turn on twinkle lights in my reading room, I brew a hot cup of tea, add classical music to my earbuds, and I read under a weighted blanket. If I have bonus time in the evening, I make space for an Epsom salt soaked bath with a bit of lavender, and I read with a book tray. So if you happen to have old lady joints like me, the best birthday gift I got was discovering that they make a full body bath pillow that lets you stay in the tub until the water's cold. I decided to ask our Facebook community, Mom Advice Book Club, their favorite reading rituals and would love to share a few of my favorite answers. Is it any surprise that a few include trying to read before bed and then falling asleep? Many reading routines had a glass of wine, classical music, and scented candles, much like me. I also received one hilarious response that Katrina offered where it's become so customary to go into reading mode that her kids now ask Alexa to play Curl Up with Kindle when they see their mom settle into the front room with her books. Thanks, Katrina. Here are two of my other favorites that were shared. Kimberly shared that one of her favorite rituals is sorting her to-be-read pile by season. So in particular, she loves spending all of December reading wintry, holiday-themed books, and she says it adds to the magic of that moment. Nadine shared that her brother would read to her before she went to bed as he was learning to read. He kept up that nightly ritual for years, and as she was learning to read herself, he let her read to him. So fast forward to her adult life, she's kept the same bedtime reading ritual. Isn't that sweet? Now that I've hopefully inspired your reading routines, I'd love to share three comforting reads perfect for your newly established rituals. The first book I'd recommend is Nine Women, One Dress by Jane L. Rosin. This novel was recommended by a local librarian, and it is like a big bowl of chiclet comfort food. If you're a fan of Meg Ryan films and other classic rom-coms, I have a feeling you will adore this sweet read. In this story, a famous designer who is soon retiring makes a beautiful black dress that ends up being the dress of the season. The dress then finds its way into many hands, some deserving, some not, and the book explores these touching and humorous stories of how this dress came into their possession and what happened after they wore it. I loved every minute of it and grinned from ear to ear right up until the final pages. Vacation reads, in particular, always hold the fondest memories, and I remember reading this one swinging on a porch swing at a beautiful little Airbnb we had rented. So if you just need a relaxing escape right now, read Nine Women, One Dress by Jane L. Rosin. The second book I would recommend is The Lager Queen of Minnesota by J. Ryan Straddle. His stories in particular hold a special fondness for me because he writes about the Midwest in such beautiful ways, and I'm an Indiana girl. So if you want to learn more about his writing process, I'm going to link to my interview with him about his first novel, which I loved and adored too, Kitchens of the Great Midwest. 
In this story, though, a father dies and does not split the inheritance evenly between his daughters. Instead, he gives his entire inheritance to his youngest daughter, Helen. Edith, his sister, is stunned and finds herself financially struggling. The two sisters could not be living a more opposite experience. One can barely make ends meet, while the other is running one of the most successful breweries in the country, thanks to her inheritance. When Edith's granddaughter, Diana, decides to learn the IPA business, Diana's path crosses with her estranged aunt. Diana is determined to forge the same direction, and her new business just might be the glue that's needed to bring the two sisters back together again. Straddle's storytelling is exquisite, and the different viewpoints really bring it all together. In addition, it has heart, humor, and beautifully written characters. So if you need a delightful, comforting read about what it means to be family, add The Lager Queen of Minnesota by J. Ryan Straddle to your stack. I have time to recommend just one more today, so I'm going to recommend The Serpent King by Jeff Sentner as my final pick. I shared how he wrote his book, but not about the premise. This book is about three unlikely friends growing up in the rural South that are all fighting demons of their own. Dill's father is a Pentecostal preacher known for his snake-charming church that becomes part of a town scandal that has left his family open to scrutiny and struggling financially. Travis is obsessed with a book series called Bloodfall that helps him escape into another reality away from an abusive father. And Lydia is a blogger ready to start a new life in New York while struggling to leave behind what is familiar and those she loves. These three unlikely people bond together and end up facing a struggle none of them could have ever predicted. Yes, this friendship is heartachingly beautiful, and I promise you won't want the book to end. My favorite line from this read feels fitting for today's episode. And if you're going to live, you might as well do painful, brave, and beautiful things. I consider writing a book courageous, and I asked Jeff if writing his first book was the bravest thing he had done. He replied something that has stuck with me. I do think it's one of the bravest things I've personally done, but that doesn't mean it's one of the bravest things that can be done. He believed it took more courage to do what Dill did in The Serpent King to survive bleak circumstances, including bullying, unloving parents, and poverty. However, Dill did not allow those things to define him. Writing these podcast scripts for me feels like one of the bravest things I've done, but indeed not the bravest thing that can be done. But if there is something to be said about adding new rituals to our lives, I've added putting these podcasts together as my new Monday ritual, and I'm always pleasantly surprised that there can be space for new things if I can just be disciplined about them. I really hope you'll pick up The Serpent King by Jeff Sentner, and then just plan on grabbing the newly released In the Wild Light next. It's just as beautiful as this one and now rivals for my number one spot by this writer. I'll be sure to share more thoughts on that one in our Patreon monthly bonus book review. Thank you so much for entrusting me with helping you select your next round of books. If you love this episode, then be sure to check this week's Patreon bonus, Expand the Stack. I shared two more enjoyable reads in it and my favorite weeknight sips for a reading ritual of your own. I also discovered some surprising things in a behind-the-scenes tour at one of the top tea factories in the U.S. to brew the perfect cup of hot tea. I can't wait to hear from you about what you thought about today's episode. Please tell me, which book from today's list piqued your interest this week? Happy reading, book gang!